Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for February 11th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF21. On Instagram for everything sports betting at ETOF21 Sports underscore. For free daily horse racing picks on Instagram at ETOF21 Sports underscore horse underscore racing. For free fantasy football advice at ETOF21 Sports underscore fantasy. And for my five things from yesterday and daily sports takes at ETOF21 Sports underscore sporting underscore news. How is everyone doing today? We have finally made it. The Super Bowl weekend. I cannot be more excited. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. It's we were finally here. We're we are finally here. And it was weird. I'm not gonna lie, guys. It was weird last Sunday. Um, not not having any football on. I'm I have a certain I, I'm very regiment oriented. Uh wake up, make sure I got like like I got all my bets in if there's any line movements, look at my DFS. Because here's the thing. Come Sunday morning, I, I usually have everything in. DFS lineups, bets, and everything. Uh may have to change some DFS stuff if there's some injuries. Uh, if there's a market adjustment, may have to do something for a bet. So I, I double-check those, do my the fourth and inch and shows with the BTV crew. And then I, guys, I've been telling you for all the season, if you're betting NFL and you don't have your book up, and you're not betting in-game the outcome of drive, you're just leaving money on the table. And that's been great for me this year doing that. Um, so, yeah, without that, it's been crazy. One of my friends asked me to be his best man in his bachelor party. I wrote a 10,000-word dossier on stuff to do in Austin, Texas <laughs> with the uh, free time I had. And I started a fantasy football project, which is going which is going to start coming out next next week. Um, it's going to be looking back at everything. So, but yeah, you know, even though football is done after this week, we do not stop here at ETOF Two One Sports. We've had a nice little week of college basketball, really hitting our stride and everything. I'm on going to be on for what is that show called? Cutting Nets every Sunday morning, Saturday morning, excuse me. Just giving my my bets for the games. Uh, that stuff is always free. Twitter and Instagram. I give that out. Uh, and then Tuesday, thanks for everyone. Debut episode, great numbers with zero publicity. I did an awful job of advertising it. Uh, cocktail hour with myself and Chase. You know, we just come in, we just talk some sports, talk some betting. Nice little show. Thanks for everyone that checked that out. So, yeah, that's going to be the schedule moving forward after NFL. Tuesday is going to be, like I said, um, uh, cocktail hour, myself and Chase talking sports. Thursday, I'll be on the Gino Bacala podcast. The talk is going to shift a little bit more to the NBA, a little bit more college. And then Saturday, I'll be on Cutting Nets. So talking my bets. So that's where you'll find me. Um, but the, it's going to be it's going to be good. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to this college basketball season. In terms of the sporting world, did you guys see like the how they're going to have all these like what is it, the, the truckers convoy try to disrupt the Super Bowl? If the truckers convoy disrupts the Super Bowl, that's going to be such an utter clusterfuck and people are going to get arrested. I don't think anything's going to happen. Uh, my mom was telling me about it because I'll be honest, guys, I am so far out of it with literally everything going on in the world. I do this. I am dating somebody and 
I run some rental properties. That takes up a lot of time. So in terms of me sitting down watching the news, watching a TV show, I literally am in a closet and I have no idea what's going on. And that's fine. That's the that's the life I live and I have a great time doing it and I'm here to help you guys make money and that's what this show is all about. And we have a great show today. Um, Dylan, DC underscore sports guy is going to come on. He's going to talk about NBA trade deadline before we get all the betting stuff. He's going to tell you about the bets that the the trades that happen, excuse me, what he thinks. Him and I will give our thoughts on the Ben Simmons trade, um, whole nine yards. Then Jason, boy, the Lions going to come on UFC bets. Boom! Right away, we're going to jump jump into some UFC bets. He's going to give you his UFC bets for the UFC 171, which is this weekend. That's getting overlooked a lot in the betting market. Then Fantasy Flow Joe is going to come on, diehard 49ers fan. You guys know how many 49ers futures I had out there. He's going to come on. We're going to talk 49ers football, what's going on for next year. He was a former college quarterback, so he's going to tell you what he thinks about Trey Lance, and is he going to be able to do the stuff that Jimmy G can't do. And then for the last time during the NFL season, David, Denver Dog Better on Twitter, and Alpha underscore analytics 21 on Instagram is going to come on. And him and I are going to talk the big game Sunday. So let's dive right into it. Now, before we jump in to our bets and everything we're going to be locking in for the weekend, it was the NBA trade deadline. And oh, my God, it did not disappoint this season. And who else to come on and talk a little NBA trade, give us thoughts on everything that happened. Dylan, a.k.a. DC underscore sports guy from Twitter and Instagram. Dylan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, the NBA trade deadline was absolutely crazy over the last couple of days. And thank you again for having me on. Dude, it's kind of crazy. Like, it can just kind of, like, some years it sucks. And other years, like, you feel like, and I have asthma. Like, some years you have to feel you have to sit back and, like, smoke a cigarette with how much action there is. (laughs) It's nuts. Like, sometimes you just got to let it unfold before you can even talk about some of the stuff. Because talk about one thing. Then, boom, another thing happens. And then after that, another thing happens. And it's absolutely craziness. So the first trade, um, the Pelicans added C.J. McCollin, Larry Nance, Tony Snell. They sent it to the Blazers. Josh Hart, uh, Thomas, I can't even say his last name. I'm not even going to butcher it. Uh, Walker Alexander, uh, Didi Lazarda, two protected first-round picks, two protected second-round picks. Um Tell us your thought about this move. This was kind of an interesting one for both teams. Yeah, so I'll talk about it from the Pelicans' perspective first. So for the Pelicans, I think this was a really good move. They needed kind of that combo guard that could really create on offense. Um, And it wasn't like – I mean, McCollum's not the greatest defender in the world, but he's not a total liability like Devontae Graham is. So I really like that move as far for them. And as for the Trailblazers, they get a great young asset in – and Josh Hart, I mean, he's not that young. He's maybe like, I believe he's 25, I want to say, something along those lines. But he can really play 3 and D defense. Uh, he's a really great 3 and D player. And I really think he's underrated because of his ability to facilitate. So I think that was a really underrated pickup. And I think the, the good thing, like how I look at it for the Pelicans, is they're bringing someone in that's respected that's going to lead Ingram, lead Zion, someone that those guys can kind of look up to. So I think that leadership aspect is a key thing. And um, Blazers is kind of interesting. 
I don't think Dame's going to play the rest of the season, so they're going to be in the lottery. Yep. You have $60 million in cap space now, and Simmons is developing quite nicely. They're going to be able to do the reset a lot quicker than people realize, I believe. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think Simons is a great young player, and I think he's a guy that they could potentially look to build around. I know that they've been talking about potentially trying to rebuild or retool this roster in order to build around Dame, but I really don't know if they're going to be able to draw in those key free agents, so they're going to have to do a lot by trade if they want to keep Dame around. And the Pelicans' first-round pick in 2022, if it's 1-4, and four, it goes to the Pellies, but if it's between 5 and 14... It goes to the Blazers. So this lottery got they could have, the Blazers could have a couple, you know what I mean, a couple decent picks this year. Um, yeah, absolutely. Now another trade, and Jesus, you want to talk about this coming out of the blue? The Pacers traded Sabonis, um, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday to the Sacramento Kings for Kristen Thompson, Buddy Heal. And Halliburton, I mean, whoa, you want to talk about some dominoes, dude. Like, where's your head with this one? Oh, my goodness. I could not believe that the Kings decided to deal Halliburton before they decided to deal De'Aaron Fox. That was just absolutely mind-blowing to me. Like, listen, listen, there is nothing wrong with getting Sabonis. I think Sabonis is a great player. But I just really don't love the fit with him and Fox. Both guys aren't great shooters. Whereas if you kept Halliburton and you got rid of Fox for Sabonis... Halliburton would have been a much better fit because he can shoot at the very least. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, it's just – this this one's a real – because I'm going back and forth. Like, I don't know how else to say it. It's just I'm just going back and forth on this one. I do think there's a little bit, and, like, I'm guilty of it too, of recency bias with Halliburton. Is he really going to be that player – that's going to be able to, quote-unquote, transcend your franchise. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally get that. I don't know if he would be, like, necessarily the lead player in that, but he's a great piece to have nonetheless, and he's just a great all-around player, great great defender. Um, his offensive upside is way bigger than I initially thought it would be with his uh, shooting ability because a lot of people were worried about him potentially not being able to translate that three-point shot to the NBA, but that's worked out beautifully. And he's a great passer. He's already averaging, I believe, like seven assists a game this year. So he's definitely a great piece to start off with. Don't know if he'll be the lead guy in a rebuild, though. I mean, my my ceiling for him is Chris Middleton. Hey, if you can get Chris a young Chris Middleton for Sabonis, who's getting and, – and Halliburton hasn't even gotten paid yet. He's still on his rookie yeah, deal. Yeah, and he would so. have been in Sacramento for five more years. That's another part of this yeah. thing that doesn't, doesn't make sense. But to me – the Kings, I feel this is the year. I feel like they need to make the playoffs. I or agree. at least get in the play-in tournament. And this move kind of symbolizes this is what we're doing. Because I think we saw it in the first game that Sabonis was there. He was kind of like, I, I don't want to use the term calming factor, but I don't know what other term to use. You know, it just kind of seemed to like make everything a little bit easier so in terms of the Kings now trying to make the playoffs, I think this move makes sense for him. Yeah, Long -term, I absolutely agree. I, I think he really, like like you said, he kind of calmed things down, and he provided a lot of stability and consistency, I think. That's what he'll bring to the Kings. Long term, you know, if he does turn out, Halliburton still turns out to be Middleton, 
then probably not. But, you know, I really think, like, because the Kings are in such a dead zone right now with the franchise, like, making the playoffs is so key to them. And um, the other thing with the Kings is Halliburton, he wanted to be there, dude. Yeah, I know. That's the one thing where I'm just like, why would you trade a guy who genuinely wants to be there after having so many guys being like, oh, I don't want to be there. And he said, he even said, he like he knows that basically that they haven't been great over the past, but he's here to change that. Which is just crazy because it's weird. Like if you have someone that wants to be there, you let them fucking be there. You don't like change or do anything crazy. or It just, I don't know. Like that move, this is going to be the one where we look back in a couple years and do a better job, better idea, excuse me, like who quote unquote won the trade, which everyone, all of us like to do. But right now, I just you just gotta kind of give it an incomplete and kind of see like the player development that happens. Do the Kings like get in the playing tournament and able to like build on that? Um, yeah, this is this one was a little bit of a head scratcher, but I will say this: I do think that the Kings roster today is better than it was on Monday. Oh, I agree with that. I think Lamb's an underrated piece that they've got. I think he provides more than Heald does, where Heald's just more of, like, a guy who just catches and shoots the ball. And I, I think is a great shooter, too. So, I mean, I think they added some really solid complementary pieces to go along with Sabonis. Now, do you think they can get into the play-in tournament? Ooh, I'm not sure. They got a couple of teams that are in their way. I mean, do I think they're going to get that 10 spot over the Pelicans? Probably not. Pelicans have been playing a lot better, but you know what I mean? Like, I think they're going to start to regress a little bit because they they haven't played better. And, I mean, I don't know if they want to make the playoffs, to be honest with you. I know as, yeah. cra- as crazy as it sounds, I don't know if they want to make the playoffs. Um, and Sabonis so did have this quote after the game. I'm just trying to find a home where I'm loved, and I feel like I found it here. So, I don't know. It's it's an interesting trade, and I real feel there's the potential is there on both sides, but we're really just not going to know anything until, mm-hmm. like I said, a couple years from now. And, I mean, don't forget, they did add Josh Jackson from Detroit, Dante DiVincenzo, and Trey, Li- Trey, Trey Lies. I thought those were great pickups. So, yeah. I mean, like I said, they, they got a better roster than they had on Monday. Um, Next one, we are going to be going to, there obviously is the big one, but we're not going to talk about that quite yet. Um, Joe Ingles' time in Utah is done. But he was out with an injury. Um, you know, they brought Walk Alexander Walker was shifted over to Utah. Um, and he'll definitely benefit from the player development system that the Jazz have. Uh, it was interesting to see that Ingles got moved, though. Don't you think? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Considering he was hurt, too. Like, I'm not really sure what the Blazers were thinking. I really think Alexander Walker's a nice young piece. I mean, obviously, his on the offensive end, it hasn't been all there. But he's a long, athletic defender. And I think he could really help the Utah Jazz at the backup uh, PG position. 
And let's not forget, Ingles has an expiring contract. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's like some shady stuff where, hey, you know what? You're out for the year, man. You're not coming. You, you can't play for us anyway. Let us trade you. And then, you know, we we're going to resign you in the other way. Just come back and we'll resign you in the offseason. To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised. But I, I could definitely see Portland trying to um, make him like the atmosphere and get him, like, acclimated with the team at least for the rest of this season and try and bring him back on an extension. Because, I, like I said before, that the, uh, the Trailblazers are trying to build around Dame. And Ingles is a nice piece. He's a good player. Now, um, one of the trades, and I think the, we're going to save the Ben Simmons trade, obviously, you know, to, to the last part because that that was the big trade. Um, the Pacers traded Torrey Craig to the Suns for Jalen Smith in the future second-round pick. And I think, I feel like every season, every trade season, there's like a little... I don't want to say tier two, but like a, a trade that no one really pays that much attention to that helps a team pushes them over the edge. And for what the Suns are trying to accomplish, win an NBA championship, they need that guy that can come off the bench and play eight to 12 minutes a good D. And that's what Torrey Craig is. Yeah, absolutely. He's a he's a really good three point shooter as well. I mean, only though he's shooting thirty three percent from three this season, he um he certainly gives them depth at the backup uh, small forward position. Now, and also before he got hurt in that Suns Bucks series, he was doing pretty good guarding Giannis. I mean, as good as you can do, you know. But he wasn't getting overworked, so I think that's a sneaky pickup. Uh, the Porzingis Luca era is done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they he went to Washington for a basically it was David Davis Bertans and uh Spencer Dimwiddle, Dimwitty, excuse me, for Porzingis. Um, I kid with my buddy Gino all the time. I don't think anytime I've watched a wizard game, I've seen Burton's made a three pointer. It seems like every time I like, yeah, I, I take the dog out or like I flip the channel, then. He's made two, but like literally anytime I'm watching, he never makes a shot. Um, Spencer is interesting. Like if he didn't tear that ACL in Colorado, he was going to be a legit top 10 pick. Uh, I think he is a piece um, on a championship team uh, if he accepts that role. And this Porzingis and Luca thing, you and I have talked about off air at the end of the day, those two just didn't fucking like each other. There is legitimately animosity between those two, and it just never worked out. What are your th- thoughts on this trade? Yeah, I think, like you said, it's pretty evident that these two didn't like each other. I'm sure Luca got the sign-off on this deal. Um, I just don't know why you would trade for Dinwiddie and have him maybe play point guard when you have Jalen Brunson already. I know Brunson's probably going to be a free agent, so I think all signs of this deal are pointing to uh, Brunson leaving in free agency. But Brunson does literally everything better than Dinwiddie does. And Bertans is a really expensive shooter that can't shoot the ball. So, like, I don't know what they're thinking. And as for the Washington Wizards, I really like this deal. Taking a chance on Porzingis, maybe not having him as the second guy, like some people believed he would be 
with Dallas, maybe having him as a third or fourth guy and trying to go after another star to make Bradley Beal happy, I think would be a great move. And I would really love to see how they all gel. Yeah, I think this one could be a sneaky move for them. For a team that could kind of, like, if Beal comes back healthy next year, they're able to get someone. I think it could be sneaky. And they got Kuzma playing better. I think this could be a sneaky under-the-radar move. Also, the Celtics are playing a lot better ball. Um, They've looked a lot better defensively. I always thought that they missed a piece when they traded uh, Daniel Theus last year because he was their interior tough guy. They got him back for Dennis Schroeder. What do you feel about this trade? Yeah, so to, to be honest, I don't love this trade just because I think Tice is a little bit overpaid for what he does. Although you said, like you said, he's a great defender, he's a good rebounder. But he's undersized for the, the center position, and he's got, I believe, three or four years left on his contract, which I really don't think makes a ton of sense, especially with Schroeder being a phrase. And at the end of the year, I would have much rather had the cap space. Okay. All right. Um, and I believe now we are on to the mothership of mothership trades. Okay. There was a ton of moving pieces in that this bad boy. So the Kings got Dante DiVincenzo, Trey Lay, Trey Lays, Josh Jackson. The Bucks got Serge Ibaka, two future second-round picks and cash. The Clippers got Rodney Hood, um, and uh, oh my God, I'm spacing the guy's name. Oh, Sammy Ojale. Yep. Yes. And Pistons got Marvin Bagley Jr. The um, uh, the Nets got Curry, um, Ben Simmons, and uh, and draft picks. Was that it, or did they get something else too? I'm sorry. Um, I'm not sure. Was that all part of the same deal, or is that? Yeah, this is all part of the same deal. That's all part. I'm of reading the same deal. from Wojo's Twitter handle, and it's not, it's not the most. Uh, the most organized so yeah, so, bear, so, so the, bear um, with me here um so yeah so let's let's just start with the pistons the pistons got marvin bagley okay mm-hmm. what what do you think about this i love this deal i think it's a low risk high reward type move because Bagley really hasn't proved much because he hasn't really gotten that much playing time. And I I was a massive Bagley fan coming out of Duke. His ability to stretch the floor and play. He actually played solid defense at Duke, and he was a good rim protector. But I really don't know why it hasn't translated. And he's also a great – he's a great stretch five. Like, he can put the ball on the deck, create his own shot. I just – I don't know what happened to him in Sacramento, especially with the health. I mean, that – really just didn't go well but i think if he gets some minutes down the stretch here for the pistons i think that he can prove that he was deserved deserving of a top five pick i think it was more he was like how it was all handled you know what i mean like mm-hmm. they picked him over trey young they picked him over luca trey had i don't i'll call a spade a spade a lucky one to the conference finals and not, you know what I mean? And Luke is a yeah. superstar. So there's that. And I just think that was like too much for him. And I think for both the team and the player, they needed a divorce. So I think it's both good for both of them. Um, the Clippers, they, I mean, added two role players at best. No. 
Yeah, I mean, I really don't know what they were doing. I think they really needed front court depth and getting rid of Ibaka. I mean, he hasn't had a great season. I think losing him is pretty bad, honestly. I don't know why you would add Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale when you have such great wing depth. You've got guys like Amir Coffey. You've got guys like Luke Kennard. You have Norman Powell, who you just traded for, Robert Covington, and then Paul George and Kawhi Leonard when they come back. So I really don't understand why they would make this trade. Yeah, just it's it's one of those head-scratching moves. Maybe there's some behind the scenes action we don't know about. Uh, Bucks added a Baca, which if healthy, I kind of like this move for the Bucks. Oh, yeah, I absolutely love it. I mean, I know that they've been trying to get some center minutes with Lopez being injured a lot this season. Like, they signed, I believe it was Greg Monroe recently, and they've had Bobby Portis playing the five spot for the most of the season, which isn't his natural position, so I really love this move for the Bucks. Yeah, if Baca is healthy, they can get it. And it's kind of funny, like I was talking to my one buddy about this. I really feel the Bucks are going through the motions right now. And he because he was commenting how he feels that they should be dominating the east and i told him like look they don't want anyone to get hurt they just want to get to the playoffs and i really think like that's going to be their mindset the second half of the season i think we're going to see a lot of rest days from holiday a lot of rest days from middleton and a lot of rest days from um uh Giannis. yeah i would agree i think I mean, if they really wanted to, I think they could be the number one seed and have maybe 10 losses already on the season or only 10 losses. But, I mean, it's just not smart to just wear your guys out. Like, look at the Knicks. I mean, they haven't been nearly as good, but they've been playing their guys 50 minutes and running some of their players into the ground in games that don't matter. So you don't want to do something like that. Plus, Holiday, people forget about this. Holiday and Middleton literally won an NBA championship, had the parade up in Milwaukee, and then flew all the way over to the Olympics and were playing the Olympics the next day. Mm-hmm. I mean, those two are run down, and they need to rest. And Giannis does have some lingering injuries. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I In my eyes, they're still the team to be in the East, but we'll come back to that a little bit later when we get to the, the bigger ones. Um, we already talked about the Kings adding um, Dante – Trey and Josh Jackson. Now let's get to the mothership. The Nets trading. Now this was included in this big package. James Harden to the 76ers for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first round draft picks. Let's talk. I'm giving you the floor and then I'll have my rebuttal. Okay. So I want to talk about the Nets first in this deal. I mean, I think it was pretty obvious that they had to deal Harden just for the fear of losing him in free agency, potentially. I mean, they probably would have still had to do a sign-in trade for another team to take on Harden's massive contract. But I feel like getting this deal done and seeing what you have with these guys, because at the very worst, if they don't play great the rest of the season, he can just move, they can move Simmons that they would really like to in a different trade, attach to those picks that they got. Um but I really like this as far as the depth goes for the Nets. Getting Drummond is huge. They have little to no uh, front court depth, and I think getting Drummond was probably the most underrated aspect of this trade. And as for the Nets, I really, I mean, excuse me, as for the Sixers, I had a tough time kind of evaluating it for them because they lost 
that that backup center in Andre Drummond because God forbid if Embiid goes down, I mean it's probably season over for them. But he's been injured so often that he's gonna have to play a lot more minutes in the second half of the season, and he's gonna go into the playoffs worn down. I mean I don't know if that's such a great idea for them, but they did get a player who's actually a positive for them for, instead of someone like Simmons who was never going to play for them. So getting Harden, I think, could be a really interesting duo as long as Harden's not going to, you know, demand the ball from Embiid and take away touches from him. So this is how I look at it. Um, And I'll look at it from the uh, Nets' point of view first. You are eliminating Harden. Now, taking Harden away frees up about, what, 20, 25 shots, would you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, so now you're letting Durant shoot more. You're letting Irving, when he can play, get a little bit more touches, and you're getting those second, those second, sorry, the third and fourth guys. You're getting them more engaged in the offensive end, which I think is huge because they have need to play defense in order for you to have a shot. Mm-hmm. And in the NBA, if you're not part of the offense, you're gonna start daydreaming on defense, and that's happened to the Nets team a lot. And I really think like them trading Harden, it's addition by subtraction. Uh, You get, I've wrote a couple pieces about this. I've talked about this. Uh, Simmons needs to be the three. He can't be the one. He can't be your 1A. Can't be your two. He needs to be your three. And this is a perfect spot for him. I agree. I 100% He's a a three. Um, And what he can do is he can rebound. He can play defense. You can put him in the pick and roll. With Aldridge, he can Aldridge can pick and pop. He can drive and dish to shooters. I don't think he's ever shot more than 15 shots in a game. So he's not going to, you know what I mean? He doesn't mm-hmm. need to shoot. Um, and something that's I completely getting overlooked in this, you and I can both agree that the Nets are going to have to go through the Bucks if they want to make it to the finals, correct? Yeah, I would absolutely think so. I mean, I think the Bucks are the legitimate front runner in the east as of right now now the nets have because they were playing durant on Giannis. they have ben simmons who statistically has done well guarding Giannis, who can guard Giannis, and durant can rest in the offensive end mm-hmm. on that the defensive huge. end i think that's a huge thing that is getting lost also you're adding another floor spacer in curry and I totally agree with everything you said about the depth with Andre Drummond. So I really like this move for the Nets. And let's not forget, when Simmons is still young, he's going to be reaching like 27. And that's when NBA players reach kind of their prime of their career. Right when Durant, who's already re-signed, is basically toward the end of his career. So yes. I this this move by the Nets, I think, is kind of is better than people are realizing. I 100% agree. I I believe the Nets won this trade. I mean, maybe I think it was a kind of a win-win situation. But if you're looking at it as the way that I do, I believe that the Nets not only help themselves today, but they also help themselves tomorrow because they also got two picks that that we really haven't talked about just because both of these teams are in a win-now mindset. But the Nets have like literally no picks until they just got these two picks. So whether they want to use that down the line to trade for somebody or to just keep them and just use them if they this whole thing blows up. I mean, I think it was a great trade for Brooklyn. Dude, phenomenal trade, and you're right. 
it puts them in a position where they're not for, for the Nets for now and the future, which was great. In terms of the 76ers, I'm just going to make this cut into the dry. You now have now this this is you now have Harden and Embiid as your top dogs. So this is how I look at it. You have a coach that has blown not one, not two, but three 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 to one series leads. Correct. Mm-hmm. You have um, Harden, who in every single critical playoff game has turned into a pumpkin. Like, literally turn into a pumpkin. Zero factor, can't do anything. And he's out of shape. And his hamstring's bad. He hasn't taken care of his body. He has a bad diet. He goes to the nightclub. He hangs out with strippers. He's pagan with little baby. He's just a train wreck. And he's not in his early 20s. He's at the back end of 20 now. So that, that stuff adds up. And you have Embiid, who you mentioned his injury history before. He's the same way as Harden. Doesn't take care of his body. Eats hamburgers and shades after games. Doesn't do the stretching. Um, And the thing that really irritated me after they lost, he is throwing. He was like throwing Simmons underneath the bus. Like I, I, it it just put more fuel in my passion that you're never going to win last year after I saw all that from, heard all that from Embiid with Embiid being your one guy. I, I get it. The Sixers think they can win with him, but I, this hasn't tra- changed by my pick. I don't think they're going to win any title with Joel Embiid. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I love Joel Embiid as a player. I Like you said, how he threw Simmons under the bus maybe isn't great, but I think we all knew that Simmons really just lost in that series. I mean, he he just completely was a non-factor. Like how do you, how do you pass up open layups? Like I don't I just just didn't get it at all. I mean I know there's supposedly a mental health thing, and hopefully he's getting that taken care of as he moves to Brooklyn. He's but, he's traveling with him to Miami. Simmons gave yeah. up nineteen million dollars to get the f out of Philly. Think about that. Yeah, no, those Philly fans are rabid, so I totally understand why. But like, I really don't know how I feel about this because I think there is a possibility that Embiid could win a championship, but literally everything has to be great around him as far as like the bench depth and the shooting. They lost some of that shooting by getting rid of Curry, and then they lost the backup big spot with uh, with le- losing Drummond. So I want to see how they react to this in the buyout market. I could see maybe getting an Ennis Freedom or someone along those lines could be really beneficial for them. Think about this. During the lockout season, not, I know not the lockout, excuse me, the pandemic season, Bucks had the best record in the NBA, completely cruising, you know, on, on pace to set insane records. Pandemic happens, they get shut down, come back months later, they lost all the momentum, Giannis gets hurt, misses games, and he's getting thrown under the bus, okay, for the Bucks losing. The year before, he's just getting steamrolled because Leonard balled out after being up 2-0 against the Raptors team that went on to win the NBA championship. Okay. Joel Embiid, for whatever reason, because the median likes him, never gets thrown under the bus. The dude blew a 3-1 season series lead, and he was getting guarded by Solemn Hill and Clint Capella 
against the Hawks team that couldn't finish off the Bucks when Giannis was out with that knee injury for that one for the, that game. So I don't know. It's just I, I'm not an Embiid believer. I never have, and I never will be. And like you and I agree to disagree on this part with the terms mm-hmm. about that. Um, but I don't know. It's going to be interesting now because like this year, if they don't win, I think Embiid's going to feel a little heat from the media, and he's never felt that heat before. Oh yeah, he absolutely will, especially with the type of MVP caliber season he's had to this point. I mean, oh my goodness, they. It would be nothing that he's ever seen before, like you said. And there's two teams in the East that I feel we kind of need to touch touch on because they're having good seasons. And by the mainstream media, they're just being completely disrespected and completely overlooked. Uh, number one, the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about them? Uh, do you feel like with the roster they have, they could make a serious run? Or do you feel like because of the issues with the injuries and that the Nets have had and the Bucks just trying to get to the playoffs, do you feel they've just kind of taken advantage of other teams kind of resting? That's really tough for me because I'm a big fan of Jimmy Butler, love the Heat, but I just don't think they had the star power and offense to compete with these other teams. Like, Hero, don't get me wrong, great scorer, but I feel like when you put a more physical guy on him, he can get shut down at times. And if they're looking to, for him to take a step up and be that second guy, because I really don't think Lowry is this guy who's going to give you 30 to 25 points in a playoff game, and Adebayo is going to average his, like, 18 to 20 points. I don't think they can keep up with a team like the Bucks, where you got guys like Giannis, Middleton, or Holiday who could each drop 30 points if they really wanted to. I mean, it's going to be hard for them to keep up in the playoffs, I personally believe. Now, the other surprise team, the Chicago Bulls, it's actually kind of funny. The Bulls are second right now. Um, do What what do you think about them? I mean, they're. I'll give credit where credit is due. They're doing way better than I, I thought they were going to finish. Like, fourth would be their ceiling, which they could still do if these other teams pick it up a little bit. How do you feel about the Bulls this year? Man, the Bulls are so fun to watch. I mean, I'm sure you've t- tuned into a lot of Bulls games, but the way they just move the ball and the way DeRozan is just – taking control of this offense is phenomenal to watch and the thing is too they've been the second seed with Lonzo Ball out and he was such a big factor for them early on in the season so I really think they're going to be a team that's still a threat and could could make a run I think they're more of a threat personally than the Miami Heat are but I would have loved to see them make a deadline deal I think maybe moving Patrick Williams and or Kobe White was the thing to do but they kind of they kind of passed passed on it, which I don't really understand because Williams isn't going to help you right now because he's injured. And Kobe White's a good player, but they certainly could have gotten a guy like Jeremy Grant or whoever that would have helped them right now and definitely could have put them over the top. Yeah, the Pistons wanted uh, Williams for Grant. That was the only trade they were willing to do, and they wouldn't do it. So that was. Yeah, uh... I would I would have done it if I were the Bulls. I really would have pulled the trigger. Now another team that. Uh, I thought they're gonna lose it as soon as Rubio went down, but you know what? They picked, they added Rondo, and they're just truck like slowly but surely trucking right along. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. What are your thoughts on them? The Cavaliers are a sneaky team in the East because the defensive versatility that team has is really something we haven't seen in a good amount of time. I mean, a guy like Evan Mobley is just an absolute freak. Great on the offensive end, 
but even better on the defensive end, being able to guard like maybe all five positions on the court. I mean, the guy is just phenomenal. And I really love the Karis LeVert move for them because I think they really lacked a guy who could play off ball, but then also run the second unit if he has to. And a guy that can get to the rim. Like mm-hmm. he can he can get to the rim. I think that was a sneaky little move, you know, that, you know, could help them. Do I think they're going to win a playoff series? Eh, I think it kind of depends who they're matched up with. But I will say this. If they play Philly, I could see them being Philly in a series, as crazy as it sounds. Oh, I agree. I mean, Allen's a great matchup against Embiid. You've got Mobley, who's going to give nightmares off of pick and rolls for um, the Sixers if they decide to do that and have that be the focal point of their offense. I mean, any team that Harden's been a part of, that's been the the go-to move. So I really think that they could give them trouble, and I think they could give a couple of other teams trouble. Now let's shift our attention over to the West. We'll just touch on a couple teams. Um, the Suns are right there. Warriors are right there, which everyone kind of expected. Number three, we got Ja Morant and these Memphis Grizzlies. You know, thirty-nine and eighteen, currently the three seed in the Western Conference. And they have a nice little uh, stranglehold, five and a half up in the Southwest over the Mavericks. Uh, what are your thoughts on John Morant and the uh, and the Grizz? Man, I love how how hard fighting that team is, and I love how some night they could just absolutely obliterate teams. Like I, I enjoy that so much. And Jaws just reminds me of a young Derrick Rose. Like he's just he's just so phenomenal. The way he's been able to put this team on his back, and the way some of the guys like. Uh, Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks have been able to step up I think is really phenomenal but here's what I will say I'm kind of worried for them in the playoffs because I don't know who's going to step up to be that number two guy it should be Jaron Jackson but I think he's more defensive oriented and he's still very young so I think this team's still a couple years away from competing um in the playoffs per se but But I still think they could um they could give a team a tr- trouble, maybe win one one round, but I don't think they're going to make it that far. But we talked about this. Getting to the playoffs is a whole different animal, and they got that young team in the playoffs, which I feel is huge for them mm-hmm. last year when they got into got into that game, with got into the series with Utah, even though they lost. I really think for Morant and everyone's development, I really think that was huge. Uh, what do you think about um, – I need to ask you two last two questions. And – of course, like I try not to be biased. I think I'm really good at being biased. But um, Dwayne Wade said that Anthony Davis was better than Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm. And then Giannis goes on. He, he think he drops like what 44 and 87 percent shooting when AD was guarding him. How how did you feel about that comment? Do you agree? Disagree? Where's your head at? I mean, if you were talking five years ago. I probably would have agreed, but AD's never healthy. The best ability, in my opinion, and a ton of people have said this, is availability. And Giannis has proven to be more available. And he's won a championship by putting a team on his back. Anthony Davis had LeBron to help carry him to the finals. I'm not saying AD didn't partake in any of that. I think AD was a huge piece. But he wasn't the number one. Giannis took a team by himself and carried them throughout the, the playoffs and Dropped what? Didn't he have a, a fifty ball in the in the uh, finals? Yeah, against had the fifty, like fourteen or fifteen through the line. He just carried him, and that's yeah. that's the thing to me. It's like people get so sensitive, and it's like 
I don't mean to be mean. I'm not trying to be, you know, excuse me, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling you what I think. And right now, in my eyes, there's KD, Giannis, and a big gap. Mm-hmm. You know, and Giannis is doing stuff that few have accomplished, and people are still saying AD's better. Like, I really feel like the media hates Giannis just because he said, F it, I'm just going to stay here in Milwaukee. I feel that if he went to Miami, he would be like, like all over the place with everything. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, one hundred percent on what you just said. I think the media, for some reason, just has bias against him and doesn't want to see him succeed. But you know, that's how it always is. They love building people up and then just tearing them down once they're at the top. Exactly. Um, and the last one, Stephen A. said he'd rather have Morant than Giannis in the playoffs. Oof, that's that's a hard pass for me. Yeah, hard pass. Yep. Dylan, I'd like to thank you for coming on, talking a little NBA, giving your thoughts on the trade deadline. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? Hey, thanks for having me on again. Um, so you can find me at Instagram at DC underscore sports guy. That's where I post most of my content. You could also follow me on Twitter at the same handle. But if you were going to follow me on something, I would definitely recommend it be Instagram. Okay. All right, man. Well, guys, make sure you give Dylan a follow thanks for coming on and i need to ask you we're asking everyone that comes on today what is your super bowl prediction the Bengals gotta ride the hot hand with joe burrow he's just been fantastic dude dude i think we're fighting right now don't 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 hate on my boy maddie stafford oh uh. <laughs> no I, don't get me wrong i love matthew stafford and the rams but they happen to just beat my my 49ers so i'm pretty upset about that and joe burrow is just He's just clutch. He's just got that clutch gene, and I think it's going to show in the Super Bowl. We shall see. Hopefully it's a good game. Thanks for coming on. Like I said, you have a good week, and we'll talk soon, my friend. Now, with all the attention in the sports world and the betting world, being on the Super Bowl, people are forgetting there's a UFC card this week, and he's going to be joining us, I, at least for every pay-per-view. You know, Maybe I can talk him into coming on for some of these ESPN cards. Bully the Line from Twitter and Instagram is going to be coming on and he's going to be talking about his bets for the card. Bully, how are you doing today? Good, man. How are you doing, Eric? How's your week going? You know what? I got no complaints, man. You know, this is a nice little card, some interesting little fights. So let's uh, let's dive right into it, man. Um, what uh, What's the first fight on your card today? Yeah, man, absolutely, man. Uh, first one on the uh, main card, man. I'm gonna go uh, with Bobby Green versus uh, Nazareth Haskarast. and um, you know, in this fight, man, this is uh, this is definitely gonna be one of those more of those boxing type matches. Both these guys can strike. Uh, they don't they don't win by any type of submission. Uh, you know, Bobby Green, Bobby Green, you know, he's he can go on the mat and box. Hazarat can also box. Got power in both hands. Um, and uh, this, I think this is actually like a step up for Bobby Green compared to his last fight. Uh, he did win in a TKO back in November. Uh, but here's the thing. Bobby Green's getting up in age. He's almost 35. Uh, he's going to be fighting a 26-year-old uh, in Nazareth who's all, you know, who lost uh, a decision against Dan Hooker in his last fight. So I think he kind of wants to come back. Uh, he had some uh, death in the family before that fight. So not sure kind of, you know, where his head, wet, head, uh, his head was at in that fight. Um, but uh, Bobby Green has the power to knock down. Uh, I mean, Nazareth has the power to knock out Bobby Green. So uh, I'm going to take the ROI here. I know you're big on ROI, so am I. 
uh, for a fight that I think is pretty even, not only on paper, uh, but also the way the fighting style is. Uh, I'm going to go Nazareth, man, plus 120, man, to win uh, this fight. Kind of kick off that main card there for UFC 271. Now, do you see? Do you think he'll win in the distance, or do you think this will go to the cards, the scorecards, or um? Um, I you know I I I think it'll go more to a decision. Uh, but I mean, both these guys can throw punches, so I could easily see a knockout. Uh, just for me, when it comes to value, I'm just gonna just roll with Nazareth to win the fight outright, uh, plus one twenty. Okay, I like that play a lot. I like that play a lot. Um, what is the second play on your card? Yep, I've got uh, Alexander Hernandez and Renato Mancado. Um, once again, this is another ROI fight. On when I look at it on paper, uh, and I think this fight was supposed to be in the early prelims, and it got moved up to the main card. I th- I think that was because we actually talked offline. One of the fighters uh, went overweight, so maybe they might have moved this card up. Early in the week is on the early prelims, um, so that's what I have in my notes here. But it's another. It's one of those lightweight bouts. Um, both even, man. They're they're they, well, actually, actually, these are both even when it comes to, but the fighting styles are really different. As Rincado is more of a win by submission type fighter, while um, you know Alexander Hernandez can really knock you out. Um, you know, he's sitting at thirteen and four. Uh, Moncano is fifteen four and one. They uh, they both won by uh, KOs in the last fight, and this is more of a value, man. I think Alexander Hernandez at plus one forty. Uh, it's just a value play. I think he can, you know, win this fight outright. Um, like when, like I said, when it, when it comes on paper, I mean, I look at these as a really even, like a pick 'em almost. So if I can get 140 for a guy, I think that can actually win. I'm going to take uh, Alexander Hernandez. Yeah, I like that play also a lot too. Um, you know, any like like you mentioned, it's all about yeah. understanding break even points and ROI, and you know, you have yep. to fight at even. You're getting him at plus 140. That's a great bet. Great bet. Yeah, the, great the, 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 the key to this fight, man, is Alex Hernandez blocking uh, more of the takedown effect that Moncano um, is going to have. That's his style. If he can block out those takedown moves, he could easily, you know, win this fight by knockout. Because that's that's his main um, that's his main arsenal to kind of knock you out. So now for your third bet, what yep. are we looking at? Dude, I am going with man. This is gonna. It's, this was probably this is one of the more exciting fights, man. I'm looking to on the car, man. And this is Derek Lewis versus Ty Tuviasa. Uh, Ty is one of those fighters, man. It's it's kind of like the uh, the cult hero following in the UFC. He's, uh, both of these guys, man. Uh, they're not cut. They're just big dudes like you would see at the bar. Uh, Derek Lewis, man, twenty six and eight. Uh, Ty is on a fourteen and three and a four, uh, four fight win streak. Uh, and both of these guys can knock. I mean, they can really knock someone out. Derek Lewis, his last, he's got 13 wins by knockout. Uh, Ty's got six, and uh, you know, Derek's six three. He's got a four inch uh, reach advantage on Ty. And these are just two big boys. And this is also Derek Lewis's hometown. And I don't see him losing uh, in his hometown. And and Ty doesn't really have great defense. He almost got knocked out by Greg Hardy uh, in, in a couple fights ago. <laughs> So he has a chin uh, that, and if Derek Lewis gets a punch on him, it's over. Uh, this is either a knockout in the first round, and Ty may have a, you know, a little bit of advantage if he can get past that first round to kind of wear down Derek Lewis, but I don't see Derek Lewis losing in his hometown, man. Uh, I got him at minus 186. Yeah, that's definitely a good uh, good bet. 
Um, if I'm looking to get some more value, what do you think about taking him at minus 126 to win by knockout or TKO? I, I like that. I, I like that just because of the, uh, I think, kind of a little bit of a weak chin that Ty has, and Derek can throw some knockout punches. So uh, I, I like that 126. I'm actually going to write that one down. And um, I looked at that one. Um, just never know if, if – if, if Ty gets past that first round, um, it could be a grind. It, it, it could be, yeah. I mean, yeah. it could just he could just wear down Derek, um, you know, if he's not landing those punches. So, uh, but I, I like I said, before, I like Derek to win in his hometown. So let me ask you this, like, and this is just me just thinking as crazy as I do. Um, let me see if this prop is up. What happens if I do a Derek Lewis with? Because basically, we both agree that Lewis is either going to win in the first round or it could go to decisions. Would it, could I do something crazy where I bet Der- Lewis wins by decision at plus 700 and then do a uh, Lewis first round TKO? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you, yeah, if you, if you feel, I think those two could, I, yeah, I definitely could see it going pretty yeah. far in that, you know, in, in that fight. And uh, like I said, Derek Lewis has the power to knock yeah. it out early. So uh, definitely not a bad, especially with those odds. I don't think that's mm-hmm. bad at all. You know, throw a quarter unit on it. I don't yeah. think that's bad, bad at all. Because, I mean, I, I, I like what you're saying there. Like, it's either going to be basically a first-round knockout or it's going to be, a, like, be a grind and possibly go to decision. That's a interesting, like, way of thinking about it. Um, yep. And the, your fourth bet, I know you and I are on the same one because we talked off air. Talk to me, buddy. Yeah, man. Uh, this is the main event, man. It's going to be Robert Whitaker versus yeah. Israel Adesanya. Um, man, and th- this is a rematch uh, from uh, actually two years ago. This is where uh, uh, actually let's my second here. Actually, he, he knocked out Robert Whitaker in back in uh, 2019. So this is a rematch, um, and I actually see this one kind of going to distance, man. I think um, even though. Israel's got a you know a height advantage four inches over and also has a seven seven inch uh, reach advantage too as well. I just think when it, it comes to these rematches, man, um, I think they know each other. It's and it's more conservative, um, you know, when it comes to the fight. Um, so I kind of like Whitaker and Adesanya going the distance, you know, in this middleweight title fight. And then I also found a prop, um, you know, that I liked um, is Adesanya in either round four or five or decision at plus one twenty, but when it comes to these rematches, man, I, th- I, th- I just I think they're like a little bit more conservative on it, um, you know, because they know each other. I see it going further, you know, further in the fight. Um, and that's kind of what I'm kind of going to go with and kind of go with the money. Because uh, as of right now, it has this, this fight going to distance right now. It was at 120, now at 130. So some money coming in on that. And uh, I kind of take a little bit of stock into that. But I think this one's going to be one of your, your longer fights, kind of play it out. And Adesanya is one of those uh type of fighters in his last you know three fights they've all gone the distance they had one tko there uh you know in 2020 so he's known to go the distance and i i like it to go plus it's a rematch i like to go the distance minus 120 or adesanya in round four or five or decision at 120 yeah i'm on um now everyone knows i can't say names were shit um, and I'll be the first to admit it. I'm on Arasara. Arasanya. Yeah. I'm on him but with the points okay. via decision plus 145. Okay. I, th- I think you hit it on the head. I think it goes the distance. I think it goes all the way. I also like my girl Roxy. This is her last fight. At, um, yep. I like her at plus 500 in decision. Um, I just don't feel sh- – I think she's going to outwork 
the her opponent, but I don't think she's going to be able to knock her out and just grind out a victory like this girl does. I think this is her 60th professional fight. Girl's a freaking warrior. Um, you also said you had a yep. couple parlays. What parlays are you working with? Yeah, uh, one actually involves uh, Roxanne, uh, Roxanne Madafri and uh, Casey O'Neill. So I took Roxanne, the big dog there. Like I said, for uh, Roxanne, she's older, 39, coming out of her career. But Casey O'Neill is an up-and-coming fighter uh, too as well. So, um, you know, this one's tough, man. This is <laughs> this might be a little bit of an uphill climb for Roxanne, but uh, you cannot beat those odds. Women's fight, you never know what can happen. Uh, get it at 400 plus 300. She's in one of my parlays with uh, Roxanne Hernandez at plus 140. And then also the other dog uh, that I had with that was um, back to uh, Nazareth at plus 120. So that's sitting at about, uh, you know, a plus 450 parlay. So I'm going to take that as one of my parlays there. Now, when you bet these fights, do you bet uh, are these going to be one unit, two units? How are your unit distribution? Parlays, I'll usually do about a quarter unit, uh, you know, just in case, in case, in case, case. Much at it. Uh, when it comes to a parlay, uh, definitely like a quarter unit on the parlays for me. Okay, and then the straight bets are only one. Yeah, that's what okay. I usually do. Straight. Yep. All right, cool. about one unit. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, bully, man. aka Jason. Um, I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your Friday to come on and tell us your UFC card. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on uh, social media? Yeah, man, you can follow me on Twitter at Boy the Line. I'll post all my cards and plays on there, and uh, hopefully, you know, we can cast. So, yeah, and we got hockey right around the corner, man. Hockey playoffs, a uh, couple weeks. Like, when do they start? April. Yeah, absolutely, man. March Madness here too. Ready for a little bit of college basketball. I haven't been keeping up with it that much, but uh, definitely excited for March Madness too as well. And for those of you that don't know, Bully and I did a NHL preview, and one of the big dogs we gave out was I think it was at like 15, 12 to 1 for the Detroit Red Wings to make the playoffs. And dude, they, what are they? They are just out there. I'm looking at right now. They're one game. Sorry, seven points out. So uh, they're uh, close. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they, they possibly could make a little run here, which would be nice. So Ball, uh, yeah, Detroit was doing really well at the beginning of the season. Kind of fell off a little bit, but I'll tell you who's in trouble is Boston. Boston is uh, in trouble. Bergeron suspended. Tukaras just retired. They're actually on a decline, so maybe Detroit's got a chance. Maybe they'll get, jump back in this. So we'll see. Ah, uh, hopefully, man. You know, let's go Red Wings. Jason, <laughs> best of luck in all your bets today. Also, um, everyone's coming on the show today is giving out a Super Bowl prediction. What is your Super Bowl prediction for Sunday? Man, I'm going to roll with the dog here, man. I'm going to go with Bengals, man. Joe Burrow, baby. Joe, cool. Best of luck to you. Thanks for coming on, and we'll talk soon, my friend. Now, before we dive into the big game, one guy I've been dying to work with, bounce ideas off of, him and I were finally able to connect. He's a diehard 49ers fan. Fantasy Flojo on IG and TikTok. He makes these phenomenal videos where he breaks down the quarterback position, having played the quarterback position, and that's the stuff I love to watch. Joe, how you doing today, my man? Yo, what's up, Eric, man? Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to always dive in, man, talking about the best game in the world, the NFL, football. Yes, the Niners taking the L was uh, pretty depressing and sad. I was there to experience that loss with many other 49er fans. Um, but all in all, man, it's... I still love the game, 
and I'm excited to get into it with you, man. So thanks for having me. So I have to, well, first of all, thanks for coming on, man. You know, I definitely appreciate it. You know, you got two little kids, you got a wife, you got a million things going on. So I definitely appreciate it. So thank you. Um, so I need to ask you, man, like I was heavily invested in 49ers futures. I may have spilled my beer all over my couch when that <laughs> INT was dropped. What was your reaction to the stands, man? Uh, similar. I wasn't holding a beer, uh, but I almost collapsed. And uh, I think it took the air out of the whole stadium, the entire squad. You know what I mean? But we can dive in a little more, man. As you know, you know, you have a little background in, in, in sports as well. Like one play doesn't decide a game, although we'd like to pin it on that. And that was a pivotal moment, man. That was huge. That could have basically sealed the deal. So I get the gravity. But at the same time, man, we'll get into it on, you know, a couple other things that the Niners just weren't very good at. You know, magic carpet ride through the playoffs, man. Let's call it what it is. We won some ugly games, uh, won that week 18 game in OT. So, like, there was a lot of things that fell our way. And unfortunately, that play wasn't one of them. So the big thing for the 49ers is their whole quarterback situation. Jimmy G, Trey Lance, you're a former quarterback. Uh, like I said, you guys got to watch these videos. He does a great job of breaking videos down on TikTok, and he posts them on an Instagram account. What's going on with this Jimmy G and Trey Lance situation, and who do you like next year, and what do you see with him? I mean, I've I've never been a Jimmy G fan, man. I think he's average at best. I know you could break down the winning percentages, and look, man, he galvanized the team. You know, he's a leader. You know, everything, he toughed it out. Like, you have to respect what the guy did, but in my opinion, when we spent – what we did to trade up and get Trey Lance, he should have started week one, mm. right? I do feel like we would have been in a very, very similar situation, battling to get in, right? And we could have used this entire year to give this kid some experience, right? He didn't even play last year, right? He, he took the whole year off and he came in and he looked like a rookie. You yeah. know, I think he started week 17, first half, looked like a rookie. Yeah. But it, it just was too much back and forth, man. And I think... Um, Jimmy's gone. Someone we're not going to pay him. I think it's time. I wish our defense was playing a little bit better early on in the season. Maybe Shanahan would have pulled the trigger. Um, but the reality is, man, you take it back to the Chiefs Super Bowl, right? Shanahan didn't trust Jimmy to make plays in that game, and we lost. We took our foot off the gas. We played conservative, and we lost. Yeah, he missed a big throw. Yeah, could he have done? Yes, but like the idea is, if your head coach does not trust you as a player, as a thrower, he might like you as a leader of men. But when the game's on the line. Perfect example, too. The Niners against the Rams right before halftime. I don't know if you remember this. I think we had one timeout. There was 13 seconds left. We ran it down to two seconds and kicked a field goal. Why would we not take a shot in the end zone? I'll tell you why. Because Shani doesn't trust Jimmy G. He's proven time and time again to be sketchy with the ball, right? Turn the ball over in bad situations. And we're not taking points, man. And to me, that's the difference between a championship team and a team that takes an L in the NFC Championship. And I think you hit it on the head. Uh, a lot of people forget it was at the end of the first half. The 49ers had time in that Super Bowl against the Chiefs to drive down. And Shanahan, like, didn't let him throw the ball at all. I mean, mm -hmm. and I looked over at my buddy. I was like, he doesn't trust him at all mm -hmm. to make plays. And that was really telling. Um, where do you? So obviously a lot of the player comps for Trey Lance are um, Josh Allen and everything. In my eyes, that's a little unrealistic because I think Josh Allen's a unicorn right now. Yeah. I think he's playing at an insane level. Realistically, like, tell me what you see with Trey Lance with, like, his footwork, his delivery, the whole nine yards. 
So obviously he's super raw, right? Like, you know, in that offense, he, strong arm, amazing athlete. He's a freak, big body, strong, right? So I actually made a video on um, Justin Fields and Trey Lance, right? Who should the Niners take? Who's more pro ready? And I was a slight lean towards Justin Fields, but I think obviously Trey Lance has more upside. Mm-hmm. So what I'm seeing thus far, obviously he's inaccurate. He struggles to read defenses. All typical stuff that rookies should be doing, right? And you need game experience in order to elevate and take your game to the next level. A Josh Allen comp is a stretch. I get it. Small school, um, big athlete, big arm. But here's the thing, and here's something that, you know, there's there's a little hope because guess what? Josh Allen, his first year in the NFL, I think he was like last or second to last in regards to accuracy among quarterbacks, right? He, he switched his whole game up. He, he did work. He came out to Cali. He was working with um, uh, Carson Palmer's brother, Jordan Palmer. Guy's amazing. He's the real QB whisperer, man. The guy's great. He does great work. He works with so many QBs in the league. But he changed his stance, bro. He shortened it. He worked on his accuracy, and boom. You know, surprise, surprise, QB won back-to-back years in fantasy. That has never happened. Yeah, that hasn't yeah, happened in since. Last 10 years, I don't think that's ever happened. Yeah, that hasn't so, happened since the... Um... Uh, the Drew, Drew Drew Brees years, twenty twelve and twenty thirteen, I believe. Um, yeah, so I think it was ten years. Yeah. Um, God damn, man, that makes me sound old, dude. Jesus. Um. So back to Trey Lance. Now, is he gonna? Do you know what his off season program is? Do you know what he's gonna be doing? Is he gonna be working with Palmer? Do you have any intel about what he's gonna be doing? I wish I was close with with Jordan Palmer because I would suggest for him to reach out. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, if we're trusting Shanahan and, and look, man, I, you know, we can get into it too. And I think that's up next. So let's focus on Trey Lance and then we could talk about um, Shani or no Shani's at the end. Yeah. Um, but I just, I, I do feel like, you know, it's there. The, the, the blueprint, the reason why you trade up, everything is there, right? That the, the outer shell of what could be a franchise quarterback does exist. Okay. But as you know, man, it's, <laughs> It's one of the hardest or the hardest position to probably play, you know, maybe in sports. And there's so many, you know, outside factors that play into, you know, can a person, can a quarterback develop into a superstar and and, and a Super Bowl winning caliber player? You know, that there's a lot of variables. So And the comment you made, I feel hit it on the head. He's not going to get what he needs sitting on the sideline holding a clipboard talking to somebody. You know, mm-hmm. he needs to get out there. He needs to read the defense, like you said. So I feel I totally agree with you. You spent that much to get up and trade up to three. You got to throw that kid to the wolves. You got to see what he's got, and you got to push him out there. Um, now, 100%. Mo- moving Jimmy G will free up a lot of cap room, and you guys are going to need it because, goddamn, Debo, <laughs> his yeah. contract is up next year, and Jesus Christ. You talk about him, like I, I, I can't even think of a word right now to describe this kid. I mean, this guy is just a, a flipping beast on the field right now. Yeah, bro, beast, the bully. You know, tuck your chains. He's coming to steal it all, bro. Knock your mouthpiece out. Um, hand on the rock, throw him the rock, whatever it takes. And um, I'm just happy he stayed healthy, man. I think that, I think everyone kind of saw that this could be the type of player that he was, even in college. I mean, his numbers weren't ridiculous, but you know, his ability to make plays after the catch. You know, big, strong, fast. I mean, all that was there. And and I think Shanahan did a good job, maybe out of necessity because of how, you know, how much injuries we took as an RB core, as an offense. And and I just, I, I get a little concerned, man, because, 
you know, Debo hasn't been uh, the epitome of health in his career, and we we gave it to him this year, man. And he and he hung in, and he stood he stood up, and he handled that. But I hope Shanahan has a little bit better of a plan on how to kind of fine tune um, and implement Debo in the right spots and not kind of overdo it because I feel like in the playoffs and in this run, it was like, yo, Debo, please carry us. You're our only playmaker, um, you know. But we could tie that into Elijah Mitchell too, man, because I think he's. He's that dude. We can't forget about Trey, Ser- Trey Sermon. I don't think he disappears either. But I think Elijah Mitchell did enough to solidify that backfield and, and kind of get Shani's trust, man, and run it back to, you know, those Devontae Freeman days where he, he's just going to eat and, and do what he does. So we'll see what happens. I, this is going to shock you because I'm playing around my rankings for for next year. Number one on the big board right now. Now, granted, I mean, what? It's February 10th. <laughs> the Super Bowl hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. I put Debo as number one, man. Wow. I, well, this is my reasoning. If he's going to be getting, because the second half of the season, he was getting like four to ten carries a game, depend, you know, averaging like four, four and a, four and a quarter yards per play. Um, you know what I mean? Like you're just getting that many touches. You kind of have to kind of look at him, no? Like he's just such a vital part. And I guess like you, you kind of alluded to it. So you think his backfield touches are going to drop down. We're going to see more of Mitchell then. Is that what you're saying? I think if you want Debo for the entire season, like that's, you know, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, like I got to know that. I got to see that and I got to find ways to allow him to make splash plays and do what he does, but also limit the, you know, the wear and tear, man. I mean, look, Derrick Henry, he's another example. There's a lot of players. They just eat, eat and eat. And eventually, man, it's, it's the league, bro. Like you can't continue to take that kind of punishment and, and stay on the field. So uh, I think that that, you know, at one is pretty, I mean, I think JT's everyone's consensus one and I'm, I'm right there with them. I don't know if I can even take Debo in the first round, but I completely understand your logic. And I see how he's, he's like the cheat code, right? He's a QB. I mean, he's an RB and, and a wide receiver and he's going to get mad touches. So mm. I can see that, but I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. I mean, like it may have been fast and furious was on i started drinking started some coronas and started playing around with the list that that could have been like you know and that fast and furious is one of those movies like any i don't know who was in charge of the marketing for that movie but literally every effing time that movie's on i crack open a fucking corona you know what i mean like it's just um it's that miami vibe i think it's the whole thing like it's kind of crazy I, I don't know but um back to that so looking at this so you know Mozart's coming back. You got Mitchell. You got Trey Sermon. You got Jeff Wilson. Like, you got Debo now. Um, in terms of the running back, and I apologize because this wasn't on the list I gave you. Um, how do you see that backfield shaping up? Could one of them be on the move? Like, what? Because Shanahan's a run game specialist at the end of the day. Who's going to be the guy eating next year? Well, actually, Mike McDonald's been Shanny's guy, and obviously he just got picked up by the by the Dolphins, and I think that's going to be a tough L. Um, obviously, Shanahan's going to be able to get it get it done, um, but losing him, losing Wes Welker, both to the Dolphins, is going to be tough for us. To answer your question, Elijah Mitchell, to me, established Shanahan's stretch, and he will 100% be the guy who's going to get at least 15 carries a game. Mostert, I believe, is – I don't know. you. <laughs> I remember – most sorts of value, you know, take a late and literally what the, the, the second or third play of the game, like, see ya. And like, it was like, oh my gosh, here we go again. So can't be tr- like, I'm not, most to me is, is a non-factor. Whether he stays where he doesn't, it, to me, it's a wrap. Like the guy's old. I think he's got to be close to 30, yeah. you know, running backs fall off the cliff at 26, 27 anyway. So 
Mostert's great guy. We appreciate what you did, but peace. Um, Trey Sermon is, is, is the X factor. He's the wild card, man, because they spent that draft capital on him. Apparently, he had some issues in the offseason. That's why it caused him not to, to kind of get run and get that in, in healthy scratch, I think, week one or two. But to me, I look, I just traded for Elijah Mitchell in a dynasty league, man. I'm sold. I know Shani really, really loves the kid. He, he's the perfect fit, right? North to south runner. Doesn't take too many, you know, false steps, stutter steps. My man hits the hole. He sees it. He hits it. He gets seven. He gets six. Sometimes he'll break for 20. Um, durable, strong, fast enough. Like, I think... I think Elijah Mitchell for sure has that solidified. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get shares, man. I, I, like I said, I just I just had a trade. I just made a trade for him in uh, in a dynasty league. Yeah, I like him a lot, too. And I think Lafayette ran the same basic zone running system that Shani runs. So, I mean, I think I think it's a great fit. I think the kid's a beast. The whole Trey yeah. Searman thing to me is just weird. You know what I mean? Like, you, the kid was so high on everybody's board. Everyone mm-hmm. was talking. And then... It was like he just disappeared. So it's going to be like, you're right. It's going to be interesting to see like if he gets a little legs and gets whatever is going on back. Um, the big thing, you know, because we're talking about freeing up some cap space for him. D Ford, he's got $11.9 million cap hit. Six Has played six games since 2019. Free agent in 2023. I mean, are they going to be able to trade the guy? Is he going to retire? Are they just going to release him and take the cap hit? What's going on with D Ford here? Yo, man, as you're saying his name, all I can do is envision. I think he had an offsides in that Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you talk about these players and, and the you know that drop pick, man. Like this stuff, this stuff just sticks out and stays in your brain. Um, look, man, our, we got so many young dudes that stepped up during during this playoff run. I don't know their names off the top, but I know that cat number ninety three for sure needs to get re-signed. Um, there's a couple other dudes that played their asses off, man. So see ya, D Ford. I don't know what we do with that dough. I don't think anyone's buying him at this point. Um, but hopefully there's a way we can maneuver that. I, I don't see him on the roster next year, though. And that's funny. Like you mentioned, like there's certain, like you mentioned D Ford. And I'm a Lions fan, you know, mm-hmm. bo- born in Michigan and everything. And I, I know we suck. But <laughs> every time I see D, Ding, D, was his name, Dean Bangladino or whatever, the, the ref special the ref dude on Fox. Blandino, yeah. Yeah. He was the official that um didn't like there was a pass interference when the Lions were playing the Cowboys. Stafford threw it to Pettigrew, underthrew him, Pettigrew kind of reached back for it. The DB like tackled him. They moved it for a PI. Okay. And during the play, Des Bryant came onto the field and got into the official's face who made the call. So that should have been a 15-yard penalty, okay? <laughs> they picked up the flag on the PI, and then there was nothing on Des Bryant. So I feel your pain with the D <laughs> Ford because literally every time I see that mother effer, yeah. when I'm watching Red Zone or like a t- game on Fox, that's immediately what I think of. So I I, I, I feel your pain. Um, it doesn't go away, bro. It's like etched in your brain, you know? Oh, my God. Um, now... <sighs> Special teams is such a big key to the game. You guys obviously beat the Packers because of that special teams play. And your kicker's coming up. Uh, you know, 10 of 13 field goals, 40 or more. But he has not kicked a field goal of over 53 yards since 2015. What are you doing with Robbie Gold? Are you re-signing him? Are you going to try to get a kicker in the draft like the Bengals did? Because that dude is money and he's cheap. 
Like what Stug. what do you think yeah. they're trying to do? Hey man, good as gold. I don't care if you got a kicker from 53, get your offense to get a little bit closer cuz my man's been clutch. Um he's came through for the squad. I think, you know, obviously if he's costing us quite a bit of dough, that's something to evaluate, but Look, man, hitting on a kicker out of college is rough, too. You know, yeah. there's not a lot of, uh, what's his McFerr, whoever that kicker is from McFerr, the Bengals, that yeah. kid is a stud, bro. Like, And I think they, they spent a third round on him or something. What did they spend on him? I don't even know. I think, like, third or fourth. They like, yeah. they spent up. But they hit it. Um, There was that those kickers from Florida State, the two oh, brothers. <laughs> and, like, they just were awful. They awful. couldn't couldn't cut it in the league. So that's why it's always hard. Um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one thing, though, Eric. Our punter, Mitch Wisnowski, that guy needs to be cut. This dude yeah, is absolutely bad. terrible. Every time, every time I saw him punt, I'm like, you suck. I hate this guy so much, bro. And I know I shouldn't say that because we shouldn't hate anybody. But every time I watch, he's such a liability, bro. Like, you, go watch Johnny Hecker. Watch the flip that he can do on any single possession and just put his defense in a position to go three and out and then flip the field back to him based off of his punt. Like, the punter is so undervalued, and I'm only saying that you know, punter punters are people too. But I've watched so many games recently. Like I cannot stand our punter. I just googled him, and looking at him, I don't like him even more now. That's funny you said that because literally, like my oldest nephew is nine, gonna be ten uh, in the summer, mm-hmm. and my he likes football. And I told my sister, I'm like, look, no one can kick, no one can punt. Start yeah. teaching the kid how to punt, and like literally. He has kicking lessons every week. So, awesome. so I'm telling you, about 12 years, you guys got yourself a world-class punter, dude. A world-class punter. Be on the lookout for him. Um, but, no, you hit it in the head. Like, like I really think, like, your special teams is something you need to address. Um, I I love your team. Uh, they made me a lot of money. We, yeah. al- we almost hit that future. Oh. But and I don't mean to be a dick with this comment, and a lot of people get upset you guys did get lucky in a couple of games. Oh, of course, man. I, like I said, it was the magic carpet ride. No one's going to deny that. But, you know, that, that's the beauty of the sport, too, man. It's it's never one player. It's never one play. It's the epitome. It's the ultimate team game, right? And it's all three phases. And I think, obviously, special teams always goes overlooked. But, obviously, in that Green Bay game, our defense played well. Uh, we shut down Aaron Rodgers, and we blocked the punt. Like, look, if we didn't score that touchdown, I bet you we would have kicked the field goal. Like, that's the type of game. That it was, was happening, yeah. even if we got the ball on the five, you know, it was yeah. one of those games. Um, now your big thing, now you're a fantasy football player. I loved attacking the San Francisco secondary in DFS and oh, yeah. season long. They're ranked 26 in the NFL. Now, granted, I know you guys got a lot of injuries going on with everything. Um, one of the big names I'm hearing is JC Jackson. Do you think you target him? Do you think you kind of target some young DBs in the draft? How are they going to rebuild the secondary? Because that was clearly the weakness of the defense. I mean, I think it's it's been, uh, you know, our our major liability. You know what? I think Josh Norman. I don't know what he Richard Sermon. Like we're we're signing dudes that are absolutely terrible and and old (laughs) old yeah terrible old the whole nine right so jimmy ward he's played well he's getting up there too right aubrey thomas i think he he had a couple decent games but he's got smoke too he got man how are you guarding cooper cup on a wheel route when he's running from the slot and you can't even get your head around and you're surprised when he catches a touchdown when he's five yards ahead of you like that was very disappointing um 
Kawan Williams, I don't even know if he played, but you know, Tart man, that was the that was the dude, homeboy. He dropped the he dropped the, the interception, man. So like our, our safeties are decent. Um JC Jackson, that's the dude on, on the Patriots. He, he made the Pro Bowl. Are you talking about that's him, right? Yeah, free agent this year. Stud, bro. What mm-hmm. dude. Like if we can sign him, super stoked. You know what I mean? And and I think that's something that we need to address. I think uh our O line, you know, if we're if we're digging into it too, our O line occasionally was sketchy, man. I, I remember I think his name was Compton number sixty six. He was getting pumped, bro. There was a couple games, I think it was Green Bay by um uh, what's his name, man? Trade something Smith, the yep. carry. Tredavious Smith, who just came back. Yeah, yep. we're just bodying him every single play. Like the dudes on skates, basically getting pancake. And I'm like, yo, that <laughs> that's not gonna work, man. So there's like all teams, man. Right? You got to manage the cap. You got to figure out ways to make moves. But I think, you know, I, our secondary is priority number one. I would 100% agree with you. And, and JC Jackson is a great callout. So I I like that move on your end. Now let's flash back to your quarterback days. Okay, let me ask you a question, what your reaction would be. And let's say, we'll say your left tackle's last name is Williams. And I go, okay, what we're going to do is put Williams in the backfield. We're going to put him <laughs> in motion. We're just going to have him run straight ahead and try to hit somebody. What would your reaction be if I told you that? Uh, what, what Christmas was when <laughs> I was like six years old? I mean, like, I, like, that's what I don't understand. Like, what what was that like he did at some weird times too you know what i mean like it just didn't make sense why you're putting um williams who's one of the best left tackles in the game in motion in the Bro, did backfield. you see what he did to that person to two people that's why you're but, gonna get a running start with one of the, the probably the manliest beastliest dude in the nfl and he's just gonna plow through two people like but none up. of the none of the plays were successful were they he did it twice and it's just I think the one at the goal line is probably the one you're thinking about, and it got blown up. But yeah. I don't think I don't think we handed it off. We went fullback counter. Um, you know, and, and Eliza Mitchell missed a couple plays too, man. Like there were a couple times he could have bounced it. He should have stayed inside. Like it, you know, it, it, it's it's all you know. The game is crazy, man. It's it, it's so many variables, so many moving parts. Um, but well, to answer your question, I would get excited, man. Being a former quarterback, I love my old line. Yeah. They love me some of your best friends, you know, in college cake stands with, you know, 300 pound guys and there's stuff flapping everywhere and everyone's just having the best time, man. So um, shout out to the old lineman. Yeah. Like I just, and then like when he put him in motion on the fourth down QB sneak again, the Cowboys game. And I, I mean, think you got it. Like, look, man, he's, he's trying to be cute. Right? Yeah. You're, Oh my God! Here comes Trent Williams. They're going power. They're going power. Okay. Oh, it's Jimmy with the sneak. So, I like I like the misdirection, man. That's kind of part of our offense. That's what Shanahan does pretty well. You know, we have that toss cutback. That's that's such a beautiful play that I love. Um, it's all design. You know what I mean? So, yeah. as a run game, that you can't question Shanahan. Oh. If you want to talk passing game, man, let's do that because we're about to jump into here, and I can give you my 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 uh, real feelings on what I feel how crappy we are as a passing. So I need to ask you this, dude, because, like, this, there's one guy – there's been one game – one double-digit lead blown in the, in the Super Bowl. Uh, Shanahan was the OC for the Falcons. Mm-hmm. And there's been one second-half double-digit lead blown in the NFC Championship. Shanahan was the coach. Is Shanahan the guy? That's just my question. Is he the guy? To get you to the promised land, to get you the Super Bowl. 
So you, you mentioned the Falcons. I don't know if you mentioned against the Chiefs. I think we were up 10, uh, 10 or, or 13. I forget what it was. So another yep. another epic bed diarrhea from your boy, Shani. Um, like when we first signed him, bro, I thought he was the guy, right? He, you know, epitomizes what you wanted in a young, you know, swaggy head coach, success coming from, you know, his pops, whatever he did. And, and uh, you know, but, but as of late, you know, it, look, man, what have you done for me lately? If you can't win a chip in this league, like you're just good. You know, do you want to be great? Is he great? I don't know, man. And the way I can break down our passing game, it's almost pathetic. But I think that with Trey Lance is a bit like, did you, I don't know, bro. I, don't, I know you watched a lot during the playoffs, but we, our vertical passing game was non-existent. We threw one fade to Brandon Ayuk and he was open by like four yards. That's the only time we stretch the field. Everything we do is exactly. lateral. Yeah. All these breaking outs, ins, digs, slants, like combination routes, bubble screens. Like we do not push the ball vertical and you you can't win like that in the league, man. You need to stretch the field. You need somebody to be like, oh my God, they're going deep instead of like, dude, no one's getting behind me. Let's all cheat up and let's blast everyone on these crossing routes. You know what I mean? Right. So I don't know. I don't know. I wish I had a better answer for you, Eric. But if you were to ask me today, is 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 Kyle Shanahan the guy? I'm happy with him being our head coach, but I don't know if we can solidify him and say, you know, he's the guy like win, win a chip, man. Win a chip. Don't be the Bills. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you. I'll tell you what. I will probably I was thinking about this the other day because uh, I have a good friend who's a Rams fan. And I'm like, God, if the Lions ever fucking make it there, man, you know, that's like a five week party for me. Um, But like what you're saying is just like a simple, basic thing. And I really think that people that the casual fan watching football like doesn't understand if you don't have that passing threat and Garoppolo's average up a target, it was like big bad sure. second half of the season level. It's like yeah. like four it's yards. Embarrassing. Seven years, six yards probably. Yeah. yeah. It, no, no, dude, it was like four like it I think was four. Four point seven five, four and a half, something in that range. Um if you don't have that dude that can just like throw the ball, like at least like down the field, you're right. Those safeties start cheating up and your throw it just gets harder and harder and harder. Mm-hmm to do absolutely anything so do you think with lance coming in you'll throw the ball down the field more you know you would think with with his arm strength but to be honest man i feel like you know and as you're talking you know i feel like i can piggyback on that a little bit it's like it's almost like the safeties can play like they're in the red zone or standing in the end zone on every single play yeah like i am not worried about anyone getting behind me. So I am cheating up, I'm, I'm shrinking the field, and it just, I think it forces Shanahan to be even more cute, and I think he might think that's a good thing, but I think it's not. I'm gonna design this, and I got this play action with this dude leaking out, and I got this dude running backside skinny. Like, whatever he has dialed up, it's like, bro, go deep, man, stretch yeah. the field. Deuce. And I feel like all of that opens up. And the thing that got me, and like you talked about going deep, um, it was like, God, what was it? There was third and short um, toward the end of the game. Uh, they ran a running play. They didn't get it. Fourth down, tried to draw them off sides. My, my idea, now tell me if you think I'm crazy with this. You got Debo, you got Mitchell, you got two guys that are electric with the ball. Why not run a little play action and like get 
Kittle up up the middle. Get Ayuk deep. Like do something there and then go for it on fourth down with a run play with like Mitchell, Debo, whoever. Man, I see that's the type of aggression that I – it's so funny, bro. I'm, it's crazy that you brought that up because I literally at the game was with my friend. I, I didn't have it scripted as you, but that's even better to have it – take a shot on third down and then know you're going for it on fourth. You know what I'm saying? Like that just opens up so much more of a playbook. But I was saying, yo, just go for it, man. Be aggressive or end this game. And it's like, nah. Well, and Jimmy, Jimmy actually was pretty successful on quarterback sneaks too. I think he was maybe like nine for nine or something like that. So – Hundred percent, hundred percent, man. Like, be aggressive for once and win a game. Don't play to lose because Shanahan, you would have think you learned your lesson by now, bro. But guess what? You like playing to lose and you take L's. So, like, let's figure this out. And I think the key word that you said earlier when we started talking is trust. Right. You know, he just doesn't trust him, and hopefully, you know, hopefully he trusts Lance now because you know I I need a team I can root for right now, at least for a couple years, dude. You know, at least for a couple years. Um. Joe, my man, I would like to thank you for coming on, dude. We talked for a half an hour. This was great. Hopefully, we can work again in the future. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on TikTok and Instagram again? Yo, thanks for having me, Eric. Yeah, sorry it took uh, so long, man. But, like, I, I love your stuff. I follow your stuff. I was fired up when I knew you were riding the Niners. And uh, I probably didn't bet as much as you. But I made, you know, a couple, couple C notes here and there on, on, on the squad. So, um, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, you guys can find me, Fantasy Flow Joe, on IG, Fantasy Flow Joe on TikTok. Um, I'm I'm uh, coining myself the QB Whisperer at the moment, um, where I'm breaking down all kinds of stuff relating to the QB position. Um, and you know, man, I got to keep it fun. I got to keep it funky, and uh, and 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 kind of do me, man, and, and just have fun doing this. Otherwise, you know, what's the point? Why are we here? Yeah, that you hit in the head, man. You got to have fun with what you're doing. If you're not having fun. What's the goddamn point of doing it, my man? Yeah. All right, man. You have a good rest. Oh, before you go, we have to get everyone is everyone's giving their prediction. Let's hear it for the game. All right. Well, teaser on my video I'm dropping tomorrow about Joey B. Um, but I think that their magic carpet ride is also over. Uh, that D-line is going to be too much for their sketchy O-line. And I think the Rams win. Uh, I'm going to say 24-17 pretty comfortably. Super Bowl MVP, your boy, Maddie Stafford. There you go, my man. There you go. I love it because you know what? That's who I have went into, my man. You have a good rest of your week, and thanks for coming out, my man. And now it is time for the Super Bowl picks, and who else to come on David, a.k.a. Denver Dog Better on Twitter, Alpha underscore Analytics on Instagram. David, how you doing today, my man? Doing great, Eric. How are you, man? Happy Friday. Looking forward to this weekend. Um, you know, just in a really good mood overall right now. You know, hey, this is a great weekend, man. We got, um, what do we got? We got college basketball. We got some UFC. We got... And we're capping it off with a Super Bowl. So it's a great little betting weekend. And you've been nice enough to join us throughout the playoffs, giving your insight, which everyone enjoys. A lot of positive feedback. So I thank you taking time out of your schedule and everything, uh, coming on and talking every Friday, my man. Absolutely. Happy to be here. So let's dive into this game, man. Uh, we got the Rammies. We got the Bengals. Interesting little matchup. No one has really uh, would have predicted this one. Where is your head here? 
So <clears throat> right now for my model and, you know, with the with regards to Super Bowl compared to all the other playoff games, you know, I've taken away home home and away factor like 100% on this game right now. Um, so from that perspective, you know, I've got <clears throat> any value play um, in terms of just the overall game is showing my line right now for the full game at a minus two and a half for the Rams. Uh, I'm showing my total right at 49, and I believe Vegas is sitting at 48 and a half. So I'm not touching totals so much um, in terms of this game. At least that's my full game uh, numbers right now for the first half. I am showing a very similar line as well for totals, you know, at 24, Vegas again sitting at 23 and a half. Um, but the first half is really like a pick 'em. And, you know, the Bengals have are getting three points, you know, compared to the overall game. So, you know, if I'm if I'm putting my money somewhere, I'm looking at the first half. Um, you know, I'm definitely looking at it as a uh, as a pick 'em in the first half and definitely have more value, obviously, for the Bengals just overall um, for those four points. So you know, if I had to had to play one way or the other, you know, I'd, I definitely think the first half has more value since you're already getting three in the whole games. You know, you're getting four. Um, but you know, that's that's kind of what the numbers are showing me right now. I mean, the, the kicker is, you know, when I start looking across like Devoe and stuff like that, um, I, I just see the Rams with just better overall numbers, uh, both offensively and defensively, from their overall ranking. So, you know. I if if I'm just going off numbers, I you know you're you're playing Bengals as as your value play. Uh, definitely in the first half is where I'm seeing the most for that plus three. But outside of that, you know I I am my I'm leaning more that the Rams pull this one out. I don't know why. I I just I I have this feeling that Stafford's going to get a get a ring. So. It's kind of where my head's at right now. Okay. Well, I locked in the Rams minus four right off of the open, and I got the under 50 right off of openers. So that's kind of what I'm sitting at. Uh, my thought process is this. The two times that they played a top 10 DVOA defense, the 49ers and the Browns often struggled dramatically, really struggled to move the ball, and the Rams – per ESPN next gen create the most pressure without blitzing with the biggest win, win rate and Burrow's the best passer while facing the blitz he struggles while you sit back in zone and I just really feel that the Rams defense is going to be able to get to Burrow kind of create a little pressure make him a little bit uncomfortable and because of the advantage in the trenches I really like really like the Rams um, yeah, I I can see that for sure. You mentioned the first half. Now I'm seeing anywhere from twenty three and a half to twenty four and a half for a total. What um, any um, any and any value in that number? Not for me. I mean, I'm projecting twenty four. You know, as you mentioned, twenty three and a half. I mean, you're you're talking about a hook difference on either side across most books right now. Um, you know, if, if I were to make a play, I would go over, um, you know, I, I think there's the, that is the only value play that you can play with the totals in this game. You got to go over the over for the game or the over for the first half over for the first half. All right. Um, and then 
in turn, like, there's a million and two props. I just, like, a million and two props. And this is kind of where, you know, it does make it fun. I usually never, I never play game props and never do these MVP props. But I do do one. Um, And I don't know, do you play at Bet Online? I do not, no. Okay. I, I love Bet Online. It's probably one of the books I play at the most. And um, Dave Mason, who um, like runs the book and everything, he read, someone tweeted him, "Can you give out a prop on Russia to invade Ukraine during this during the Super Bowl?" I mean, it's just it's just kind of crazy the props you can get out there. I mean, when you really right. <laughs> when you really dive into it, I mean, they're talking about some guys asking if he can bet on Ukrainian Ukrainian getting invaded by Russia during the Super Bowl, which is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> I did have these couple props that I'll just kind of give out there. Um, now, are you a big prop player during this game or not really? I am. I'm actually coming up with my own <clears throat> prop sheet. I just haven't had a chance to actually run through them all yet. Okay. Well, good old Uncle Eric, he'll 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 share you his props for the for the day, and you can <laughs> you 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 can add them to your sheet. You can you you can send me a text. Let me know that I'm way off. Um, prop number one. I did Leonard Floyd over half a sack. Thought process is just this. I did. On, I went on this big spiel about the um, offensive line, defensive line matchup. I really think that the Bengals are going to double-team Donald, leave the tight end or Joe Mixon on whatever end uh, Von Miller's on, Aaron Donald double, excuse me, on the inside, and that's going to leave Leonard Floyd rushing from the opposite side. So I think Floyd's going to be able to get home, get a sack. Um, also, with that same thought process, off of openers, Floyd was 201 to win MVP. So, uh, you know, I, I had to throw a little, I had to throw a little cheddar on that. You know what I mean? Just oh, 200, yeah. 201. Um, next prop, I did Van Jefferson over two and a half receptions. He's playing 90% of the snaps. So he's on the field, he's just not getting targets. He'll more than likely be matched up with Eli Apple, who's given a 73% catch rate. And I'm also going to put something on um, him first touchdown for the Rams. Apple has given up uh, three TDs in the last four, and he's 73 in pro football focus. Uh, Next prop, Higgins, believe it or not, is statistically more efficient and better against zone coverage than Jamar Chase is. And the Rams tend to play historic. The Rams play more zone coverage. So I took Higgins over yardage. I think I believe it was 69 and a half and over receptions of five and a half, just because I think it's going to be more of a more of a Higgins game. And uh, yeah, those are the only um, those are the only things I have. Like I was I was looking at it last year. I had so many props this year. I don't know if I'm becoming more disciplined or I just the board's just not talking to me. Yeah, I mean, you're not playing the color of Gatorade. I mean, come on. Everybody <laughs> plays that one. <laughs> you know what? The one that's talking to me is, will Mary J show cleavage or not? That's the one that's really talking Ooh. to me during the halftime show. Um, All right. But, uh, nah, like, I'll be honest. Like, I really don't get into that stuff. You know, I mean, it's fun and everything, but I don't know. Like, maybe I'll put, like, Snoop Dogg wears blue shoes or uh, Eminem, yeah. <laughs> Eminem wears a hoodie, um, something like that, but... This is going to be the closest for me as a Lions fan that I've ever been to a Super Bowl. 
because I got Stafford. Yeah. I got Eminem performing. Like this is this is basically like it for me. Like in terms of like Super Bowl, probably for the next at least at minimum five years. <laughs> so um, yeah, I can see that for sure. <laughs> but in terms of um, in terms of props, so like you haven't really looked at anything yet, or I haven't looked at anything like. You know, with definitive, oh, I'm definitely playing that one. Um, you know, as I as I look across a lot of game props, it's, you know, it's what, heads or tails, who scores first, um, you know, first one is, like, I do look for certain things that stick out to me. Like, you know, I think I just came across one on a book that was, you know, Stafford to throw a touchdown for plus odds in the third quarter. I'm like, yeah, that could happen. Like, sign me up for that I'll, I'll take plus odds on that all day uh second half everybody's warmed up everybody's you know maybe high scoring at that point um you know like a two-point conversion attempt or or made you know i'm getting like plus 203 like why wouldn't i think they go for two in some situation especially so, if a team gets down yeah exactly um but those are those are those like real big edges or I'm like, how is that even plus 200? So, I mean, I get it. It's a prop, like, <laughs> but it'll, it'll definitely pay off. I, but I'm, I'm definitely looking at things for, you know, Stafford TDs, um, you know, like cam Akers to score a rushing touchdown in the first half, I think is plus odds as well. So I, when I look for what, what it comes down for me with prop bets, I'm only looking for plus odds. I'm not taking any like heavy favorites of, you know, minus 280 or, anything even above minus 150 you know for prop bets i think it's just crazy um so <clears throat> you know that's uh that's that's where my head's always going whenever i'm looking for uh, prop bets i just want to find what plus odds i'm getting across where and if i see a few that i like um I'll, I'll put a little something on it you know like i'm not gonna not gonna go crazy but it like you said, I don't know if I'm becoming more disciplined too, but I definitely always bet on the coin toss and what color Gatorade. So I will look at that. Um, bet online has some fun cross sports uh, plays up total penalties accepted by the Rams or total rounds in the UFC main event between uh, Whitaker and uh, I can't even pronounce the guy's name. That's even. Um, What's another fun one? Total goals in the Spurs Wolf Hampton game versus Bengals touchdowns. That's basically a pickup. Um, yeah. Here you go. This this one's fun. Rams touchdowns or Jason Tatum total three pointers made against the Hawks. Uh, total first downs versus Trey Young combined points, assist, rebound, steals. And blocks. I mean, some of these are just. Oh, you're you're a you you bet on a little Daytona 500. Matt Stafford oh, yeah. first half passing yards, or average speed in miles per hour for the Daytona 500. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like some of these, like you just kind of look at, and you're just kind of like, holy shit. Um. You met. You mentioned uh, some of the halftime specials. Uh, Snoop, the color Snoop Dogg shoes. We got blue plus one fifty, yellow and gold three fifty. Eminem wearing a hat, nothing hood, or bandana slash do rag. 
Uh, Mary J. Oh, dude, it's been it's it's been chalked up. Mary J. Showing cleavage. Yes, is minus three hundred. <laughs> so, you know, it. it's just it's just some of the stuff that's fun. But uh, um, you know, I think I think what I'm going to turn my attention to is actually the player to score the first touchdown in the game. I think those are just like phenomenal, like odds across the board. You're getting plus three hundred and higher just to. I don't know. You could put. You pick like four different players, and you're going to come out positive somewhere. All right, so let's do that. Let's let's take a gander at that. Those are always kind of fun. Um, yeah. So we're going touchdown props. Let me pull this up. Player to score the first TD of the game. It's always funny because, like, you know, when you like don't need to find stuff, you can always find it, and when you're trying to find it, you never can. All right, <laughs> first one. All right. Tell me, uh, tell me a couple of guys that are sticking out to you. Uh, well, I'm definitely liking Jamar Chase at plus six hundred. Okay. I'm liking Beckham at plus seven hundred. Okay. I also like. God, just even. Even for Burrow or Stafford at plus two thousand, like one of them could run that in if they get close enough. I don't think they will as a first player of the game, but uh, yeah, I think Jamar Chase or Beckham only because you know they're gonna they're definitely gonna target them. I, I mean, you know, someone like Cup, who's Cup is considered the favorite of first player to score. Like he's the lowest, highest odds. I know that sounds weird, but he's like plus three fifty. You know, he he is clearly the one everybody thinks is gonna score first, and it's kind of like. Mm, is he though? I mean, he'll score during the game. I have no doubt about it. But you know, like usually when that kind of attention is on one player, I I look for you know who's who's the secondary person like you know that would probably step up. And I I got to think it would be Cam Akers or Odell. So okay. you know, that's kind of where, I mean to your point, Van Jefferson plus yeah. twelve hundred. Yes. Like yes. You know what yes. I mean? Like. You that gotta, is gotta, the one. You can't look at Cooper Cup as being like, oh, he's the favorite. He's gonna score first. Like, I gotta, I gotta go with anybody who's like secondary around him. Like, I think if I put money on Cam Akers, Beckham, and Van Jefferson from the Rams on that side, you know, assuming Rams get the ball first or score first, I think any one of those three guys is you're 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 making money if one of those three easily See. wins. I think what I'm going to do, I'm looking at my board right now. Now tell me what you think of these. I said my T. Higgins stats, he's at plus 1,100. I think I'd throw a little cheddar on him. Um, I don't know, man. I, the more I just think about this, now I have no numbers that support or anything. I think this is going to be like Sony Michelle is going to get some run in this game. Yeah. And he's at plus 1,700. Yeah, and then Van Jefferson, I, I I don't have the in front of me, but in two or three games he scored the first Rams touchdown, and he's at sixteen. I mean, I think those are the three guys I would play in that in in and if one of them hits, it hits, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, right. Chase is interesting though. Um, it's 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 remarkable, like. Chase, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the average completion, like there's a significant difference between um, 
his average depth of, of completion versus zone versus man, like two yards. But for Higgins, it's exactly the same no matter what what it is. And Higgins is actually better against the zone. So that's why I kind of kind of lean Higgins. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean that's what I mean, right? Like that's what yeah. we're talking about. We're we're leaning away from from the, the norm. people that we think are definitely getting targets, right? Like, so like I I love Chase and the in his spot. I just is he going to be the first touchdown score? I, I don't lean that way. I, I would agree with you on Higgins, um, but that's also why I'm picking someone like Van Jefferson. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to think outside the box. You have to think outside of the box. Yeah. Um. Now, to score two-plus touchdowns, these are always kind of fun. And oh, yeah. it just amazes me. I'm looking at to score two two-plus touchdowns, Cooper Cup's plus 320, no way in hell. Cam Akers and Mixon, plus 500. Chase, plus 650. Beckham, plus 700. Higgins, plus 900. I could be a little invested in that. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Sony Michelle at twenty one to one. Oof. Um, you know, and who knows? Like Daryl Henderson, he's coming back from an injury. Like, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it's is just yeah, kind of you, like, like you said, outside the box thoughts, man. Got to have them. You got to think outside the box box thoughts, and one of them, that I'm just, I'm just dying to, and they're just not giving it to me. And it like like one of my books offers alternative rushing yards. Oh, interesting. And like I wanna get one where I can get like fifty for Michelle. Yeah. Like that's what I want. And it's just not it's just not giving it to the kid. And that like, you know, getting a little getting a little heartbroken about that. But uh Um What about uh, no no, no, I don't like that one. Any player to have a plus sixty yard reception, plus mm-hmm. three hundred. Yes. I mean, somebody's going deep. I just don't know if they'll break away the whole thing. <laughs> what about player to have the longest reception? I mean, to me, that's yeah. Van Jefferson because he's a deep threat. He's at plus five forty. I mean, you, you can name quite a few people the way that they blanket certain receivers and then leave the others open. Yeah, like that's yeah. I this game focus is gonna just be all over the map. Man, you, I think you've just I think you've just wrote me into making like five more five more bets, man. <laughs> <laughs> I did this whole thing that's about being I mean. disciplined like, and not like. <laughs> if I'm gonna make a if I'm gonna do prop bets, I'm gonna look for this ridiculous plus odds money. Yeah. That you got something to cheer for the whole fucking game. Like, exactly man. you know like let's 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 get it out there you know let's you know really go for it in some of these instances i mean like i said if you on these player props that first touchdown for me that's that's where you're at because you're making money like you're even if you, you just go even bets across the board if you pick at least four players you pick two from either side if it makes you feel better but you know if i'm just invested in thinking rams got the ball rams are going to score the first touchdown um, I'm picking around, you know, like you just like we just talked about, Acres, Beckham, and yeah. Jefferson, maybe even a little bit on Sony Michelle. Like, I, I don't know. I, I I love Cup. Don't get me wrong. He is my fantasy king. <laughs> he got me, you know, great points all season. 
he's going to be my keeper next year. I, you know, I want everything positive for Cooper Cup. Um, but yeah, I, I just feel like I, I got to steer clear of that. You know, what, what Vegas is trying to show is the obvious player to, to have the first touchdown in the game. Yeah. Yeah. David, I would like to thank you, my man. You know, it's been a pleasure. You know, I really enjoy the back and forth with the sports and everything. Um, you know, thank you for talking me into a couple more bets. I appreciate that too. Um, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? All right. Thanks, Eric. And I appreciate you having me along throughout the playoffs for the Super Bowl conversation. Uh, I really hope those extra pits really pay off in the long run <laughs> over this weekend. So, uh, yeah, if anybody's looking to chat, you know, talk sports, you know, reach out. Please, uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Denver Dog Better, B-E-T-T-O-R, or on Instagram at Alpha underscore Analytics 21. So thank you again for all the time and uh, look forward to talking more with you in the future on other sports, man. Oh, me too, me too. When does is, when is Korean baseball start, man? Oh, I haven't even <laughs> get the season. I'm more concerned about Major League Baseball having a season right now. <laughs> dude, that shit ain't happening. I hate to be a Debbie Downer man, but that shit ain't happening, dude. Like, we got like, a proposal going out tomorrow. We'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know. <laughs> that, I mean, that I get that that shit ain't happening. So uh, yeah, but I wish it uh, would, though. but it, I'll t- if if baseball ever gets going, we'll definitely have you on, my man. I appreciate your time. Right. You have a uh, good uh, good rest of your week, and we'll talk soon, my friend. All right, buddy. Good luck this weekend. That's it for today's podcast, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Please like, subscribe. Give me that five-star review. It would be greatly appreciated if you could hook old Uncle Eric up. Best of luck if you tail in our bets. I'd personally like to thank today's guest, Dylan DC underscore sports guy, talking a little NBA, giving his thoughts on the NBA trade deadline, who got better, Sixers, Ben Simmons, James Harden, the whole nine yards, and we'll see who's right about the Joel Embiid factor. Also, I'd like to thank my boy Jason, a.k.a. Boy the Line, for coming on and talking UFC, who he's betting, who he's locking in, and whatnot. Also, I'd like to thank Fantasy Flojo coming in, talking 49ers, Trey Lance versus Jimmy Garoppolo. What's the next move for the 49ers and if Shanahan's the guy? And lastly, I'd like to thank my boy David, a.k.a. Den- Denver Dog, Better on Twitter and alpha underscore analytics on Instagram coming on and talking Super Bowl what bets to lock in. Big weekend of sports, boys and girls. Let's make some money. Let's cash some tickets. Until next week, my friends.